0: This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. So take your Bibles, please. Let's go to Romans chapter 7. The coming Wednesday nights, want to uh, just begin and work through a shorter series that we've entitled Impossible Christianity. And you'll see why I've chosen that, that title. What a blessing it was to have the recent evangelistic meetings, revival meetings, and to be reminded of who we are in Christ. Basic sanctification truths that are intended by God to help us walk in Christ the rest of our lives, after we're saved, so that as we're in Christ, depending on Christ, uh, He Himself will make us ready to stand before Him. But my burden tonight for this series also focuses on this important aspect. It would sober us if we knew How many young people raised in our good Christian homes grow up and then go away from the Lord? Uh, It's probably the hardest thing that a Christian parent experiences, Uh, especially when you've prayed for uh, them, raised them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord And then you see them reach adulthood and they start making choices that you know don't please the Lord. It certainly isn't the way they were raised. But one of the reasons I think young people stray, one of the reasons, and there are several, one of the reasons that young people stray is I'm concerned that we've taught them what God expects the do's and the don'ts, but we haven't taught them how to please God. They can have a head full of what God expects, but if they try to do it in their own flesh, it's going to discourage them. Frankly, they're going to give up, and then other things begin to happen. Uh, They give up, they just go their, their own way. Many times, because they have had consciences trained by the Word of God, what they'll do is begin to rationalize. And they know that the law, the standard is high. And so in their own minds, they'll begin to rationalize and they'll try to bring that standard down to what they can reach, at least in their own thinking. And so they begin to explain away Scripture. Uh, They they begin to look around, compare themselves with others, see themselves as not so bad. And there's just a, a number of things that can happen in their own mental processes that still don't bring them back to the Lord. Scripture talks about those who go about trying to establish their own righteousness, That's what I'm talking about. And so I want to have us focus on a specific part of the scripture that as parents we need to make sure is clear in our thinking and then we need to be able to communicate it clearly to our young men and our young ladies. You're in Romans chapter 7. We'll be there in just a moment. But let me just remind us of what John 15 and verse 5 tells us. It says this. Abide in me, and I in you. And John 15 talks about how important it is to abide in the vine. He is the vine, the Lord is. We are the branches. I'm so thankful I don't have to be the vine. I don't have to come up with the nutrients and and the... I don't have to do that. I am only a branch. If, as a Christian, you try to be the vine, you're going to wear yourself out. There's only one vine. Amen. Okay. We're only branches. But here's the good news, we are branches. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I get to be a branch. And, as, as John 15 teaches, if I understand that text... I can bring forth a lot of fruit as He works through me. Okay. But the Lord reminds us in verse 5 for without me ye can do nothing. God made me to do, but only through Him for His glory. Now let's connect John 15 and verse 5 to Romans chapter 7. If you'll look, please, at verse 18. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth, it's a parallel text, no good thing. So in my flesh, in me, there doesn't dwell anything that can bring about good. There's nothing there that is good to bring about the good. So again, it brings us back to what Jesus said, for without me, and the whole idea is abide in me and and, And and if, if Christ is in me and I am depending on him, now there is someone in me who can bring forth the good. That's vital to understand. But there's something else here that complicates the process unless we have absorbed God's word and is functional in our understanding and our use of it And it's so functional that as parents, then, we can explain it to little ones. We're going to talk later about just some practical ways that you can explain this. But but here's here's part of the problem that brings about the confusion in a young person's mind. We do try to encourage our young people. We pray for them. Uh, We've got a baby dedication coming up. and, and, And you'll hear prayers like this, Lord, as soon as they're... Able to understand their sinful condition, their need for Christ. Lord, would you save them? And I think that's a legitimate prayer. But remember, the gospel doesn't just save them. The gospel continues to work in us through the rest of our lives to prepare us to meet the Lord. So here's where the confusion comes in. Look back at verse 18. Romans 7 and verse 18, For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me. So what happens when a young person gets saved? What happens when you get saved? Illumination. The light of the world becomes the light of your life. He turns the light on and now... There's a desire to do right. To will is present with me. The whole idea here is I desire the right now. Now don't confuse that with the fact that we do understand right. You go to Romans 1 and 2. You've got the witness of creation, Romans chapter 1, that says here's God as revealed by the things that are made, His eternal power and Godhead, they're without excuse. So we all know there's a God and we know basic law. That's chapter 2, conscience. So the witness of creation, the witness of conscience, Romans 1 and 2, help a young person know basic right and wrong. But when we trust Christ, then the Holy Spirit comes in and now we desire to do the right we know the right and it raised in a christian home taught the right but when the spirit of god moves in now a desire to do the right verse 18 all right that desire for the right now is in them look at verse 22 for i delight in the law of god after the inward Man, right? That speaking, we can't take time tonight to develop all that. But what that is now is the spirit of Christ activating the conscience that each of us has. Again, for I delight in the law of God. But understand that desiring the right, that's what God does. And if we don't understand as believers, and if we don't teach our children to understand how to do, there's going to be confusion and frustration. And I think young people have heard a lot of good preaching that helps to define the path. They just weren't taught how to get the strength to follow the path. And that's why it's so important that we understand these basic truths about the Spirit-filled life and sanctification. The inward man is the Holy Spirit moving in, prompting the conscience, but also, remember, Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and He will guide you, He will lead you into all what? Truth. But that's just part of His ministry. He also is the one who comes alongside and empowers us to do His will and of His good pleasure. And so we're going to refer back to the ministry of the Holy Spirit as we move forward here. But there's something else that we need to understand. What unlocks the door to our living the Christian life? And it's this. It's faith. So you've got Hebrews eleven six in front of you, but without faith it is impossible to please him. I can be saved, I can have the indwelling spirit of Christ here, but unless I exercise faith, it's impossible to please him. In other words, impossible Christianity. Why do some believers quit, get frustrated, and just don't think they can go on anymore because they think that it's up to them to live what the New Testament has instructed us to do? And guess what? This this may be sobering, but it's also liberating. You can't, and neither can I. But He can through us. Here's the key faith. It's faith. Without faith, and I always like to include this word, without faith dependence, it's impossible to please Him. Now in me dwells no good thing. But if I've been saved, I do have the Holy Spirit living in me. And so someone who is gracious, always good, almighty, now He indwells me. And by the way, He is the Holy Spirit. Okay? So as we talk about faith, is there a connection with the Holy Spirit? Yes. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such. There is no law. So without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Where do I get the faith? From Him. From a life of dependence on Him. And we know that from the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22. So, through spirit yieldedness, all right, what God must grow in us if we are going to please Him? He grows faith. So as I continue, and, and the evangelist talked about this, reiterated steps of dependence. So through the day, I... Ask the Lord for his help. I'm looking unto Jesus. I don't take any step without asking God for his help. Depending, Lord, work through me. I am trusting you to work through me. And as we do that, he grows the faith that grows our ability then through him to please him. Now we need to understand what faith is. However, and this is so liberating too. This is wonderful. Faith, according to Hebrews 11, 1, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, what does that mean? Well, faith is, that word substance is the word for assurance. Faith is the assurance of what has been promised by God that becomes conviction. Proof through physical eyes, or though, I'm sorry, physical eyes may not have seen it yet. So God says it, and I act upon it. Whether I see it, whether I'm convinced of it, I understand if God has said it, I have substance. I have substance. Assurance that what He has promised... Okay? That then can become conviction because the fact he said it means I have proof that it's going to happen. Again, I have to know and understand what he has said. Because if he hasn't said it and I wanted him to say it and I step out on that, well, not so good. Okay, so, but, but what he has spoken, I can have that assurance and that is all the proof that I need. So let's move on. Genuine Christianity becomes possible when the heart chooses to be assured of what God has said from His Word. God said it. And considers it the only proof needed to move on to obedience. Now let me give an example. In a recent series, we have been talking about the the brokenness that is needed, right? Children of Israel go up to Kadesh Barnea, they send in twelve spies. Those spies go into the land. What did they have as assurance that they were going to be able to take the land? Okay, you said it. God had spoken. Now, there were other assurances. God had parted a Red Sea. He had met all their needs out there in the the wilderness. Okay. But they didn't need any of that. They had God's word. This is the land I've promised to you. Go take it. Now, when they get in there, they weren't sent in to just make sure that, that we can trust God. They went in there plan their battle strategy. For the same reason, Joshua sent two spies to check out Jericho. It wasn't, is this doable? It's how are we going to be used by God to do it? That's it. But these spies get in there and because they did not have faith, they ignored what God had promised and when they come out and They may be carrying a big bunch of grapes, but what are they talking about? Big walls and big giants. We can't do it. All right. Now, you and I have the benefit of looking at the big picture. Okay, we can see what happened. uh, Their lack of faith, the defeat that resulted from that. And then, and I just finished reading, uh, I'm sorry, I'm... I'm reading through, about halfway through the book of Joshua. And it's amazing how, if you compare what happened when they went into Kadesh Bar, up to Kadesh Barnea and what happened when they went into the land, if you compare those two, you will see a generation that is just willing to trust God by faith. And what happens? Those big giants, one after another, they're, they're nothing. Those big walls, oh, those big walls, you know what? God could just topple them right over so you walk on top of them getting into the city. But what did they need? They needed faith to simply take God at His word. They needed to trust Him. And obey. Now, is it possible for God's people to live this Way. Well, let's look at some examples now. Hebrews chapter 11, go over there. We've been referencing this, but let's look at some examples that the Scripture gives us. And these are meant to be our examples. Hebrews 11. Notice the, this example here of Abraham, verse 8. By faith, Abraham. Think about our definition. Or God's definition. Beginning of Hebrews 11. All right? The assurance that because God has spoken, we have all the proof we need. By faith, because God has spoken to Abraham, he had all the proof he needed. When he was called to go into a land which should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whether he went. He just packed and went. Wow. Verse 11. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, and she delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful, who had what? All right. He had promised. Why did Sarah have this baby in her old age? Now, wait a minute. Not a trick question. Well, because God decided to do that. That's only part of the, the equation. It happened, according to this text and others, because she did choose to believe God. He had spoken. That's all the assurance I need. I'm not looking to this body. <laughs> That's all the assurance all I need and proof. And so I'm trusting God. I'm having a baby. Let's look at another Example of of these two. Look at verse 17. By faith Abraham, and he was tried, offered up Isaac, and uh, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Question, was Abraham intent on offering his son for a sacrifice, yes or no? When he's got a knife over the boy, he's determined to finish the job. Now, we know from other texts that what did he believe? This is the promised heir. And even though God has said, offer him as a sacrifice, you know, if I offer him as a sacrifice, God has spoken, he's going to raise him right up out of these ashes. So my nut job is not to figure out what is God doing? Is he contradicting himself? Your flesh is going to tempt you to think that. He is not contradicting himself. He has spoken. Therefore, you have the assurance and all the proof you need. You can trust him. But you're not going to think that way. You're not going to behave that way unless the spirit of God is in control. You're depending. Do you think that Sarah's flesh battled believing the promise of God? Yes or no? Absolutely. How do we know? She laughed. <laughs> and God straightened her out, and she went down believing. Do you think when Abraham was headed to Mount Moriah to offer up his son, do you think his flesh was trying to convince him otherwise? Of course. And by the way, as you understand sanctification truth, you also understand, need to understand how your flesh works. Why do I doubt God? You have flesh. So in your own thinking, be able to recognize when the flesh is speaking and just keep yielding to the spirit. You say, but I feel like they're they're in opposition to each other. Well, the Lord told us that in Galatians. Flesh, spirit, they're constantly at enmity, they're at hostility, they're enemies with each other. Someday we are going to be rid of the very presence of sin. Why? Because we get glorified flesh and that that won't be there anymore. I can't wait. Imagine a day when you not only aren't tempted to sin, you just can. Oh, even so come Lord Jesus, right? Okay. So, Abraham. We won't take time to turn there, but in 2 Kings 5, Naaman the leper, remember him? What, what an example. Here's a lost man. A little slave, Israelite slave girl learns that her, her master's husband, this warrior, has leprosy. And she says, I know a prophet in Israel, if it, Master, mistress, if if you will just have your husband go to this prophet, he, he can be healed. So, desperate man, Naaman says, okay, goes down to see Elisha. Remember the story? Elisha doesn't even come to the door. Why? It's not important. Anybody can deliver the word of the Lord. Sends his servant. Okay, so here's the medical answer to your problem. The Jordan River. Ah, what else will I pick up in there besides leprosy? Go dip seven times. And of course, Naaman leaves. He's angry. But as he's going along this, this struggle between the word of the Lord and the flesh, and even his own soldiers who are concerned about him, tell him, sir, if, if he had asked you to do something difficult, you would have done that. They're, by the way, on their way home, they keep following the Jordan River. The healing is right next to them. What God is going to use to heal. And so they convince him. He gets down into the dirty Jordan River. has nothing to do with the Jordan folks. The word of the Lord is all the assurance he needs and now he's got the proof that he needs to function. He goes down, he dips. I remember Sunday school teachers who so wonderfully taught this four times, five times, six times. Nothing's changing. Well, but you have the word of the Lord and you have to follow the word of the Lord. One more dip. And he comes up and he's got brand new skin. Why? Well, because the Lord had spoken, so he had all the assurance that he needed. In the New Testament, let's turn over to the disciples, Matthew chapter 4. This is an interesting study to this point from the the standpoint that Did Abraham have the Holy Spirit? Did Naaman have the Holy Spirit? Early on, did the disciples have the Holy Spirit? No. Okay. Now, even for those who don't have the Spirit, if they will yield to God, this is what can happen. Your young people, even before they're saved, if they will yield to God, if they will take him at his word. Do you know that the word of God works for a lost man too? Why? Because of who God is. So these disciples, they do believe on Christ. They begin to follow him. Matthew 4, look at verse 19. And he saith unto unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They begin to follow, right? It's not long and they are fishing for men. Why? Because, not because they have been completely trained. The Lord is going to continue his ministry of training them. But they take God at his word and based on God's word they have the assurance and the proof that they need. Go over to chapter 9 now and notice verse 9. And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. The reason that I've chosen that example is, here's the only conversion of an IRS man in the Bible. No, Zacchaeus got saved too. But the point is, here's this man who's got a really good position. He's making a lot of money. And yet he hears the word of the Lord. And just like the other disciples, that's all the assurance that he needs and proof that it's going to be okay to follow Jesus. Ananias, Acts chapter 9. Somebody has to go to Saul, who has just been converted on the road to Damascus, and bring him to the other believers so that he can be discipled, encouraged, and continue now his new life. All right? Acts chapter 9. Let's let's take a look. I think this is so important. Acts 9 and verse 13. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way. For he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles, the kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And so verse 17, Ananias went his way, entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, You tell me if he is believing the word of the Lord. Brother Saul... (laughs) The Lord, even Jesus, hath appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest and hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. So here's Ananias. He could be, if this didn't go well, if, if somehow the Lord got it wrong, which he never does, He could be walking into a trap, right? No trap. The Lord has spoken. He's got all the assurance he needs that when he gets there, there will be the proof. And there it was. Praise God for men like Ananias who are willing to just take God as word. God has spoken. That settles it. That's the assurance I need. So, all heard what God said, chose to be assured that it was reality, and obeyed without, here's the point, visual proof. Now, they got to see later, right? Oh, by the way, not all of them got to see. Read the rest of Hebrews 11. They received promises, and some of them died, and they never did see the visual proof. But you and I get to look at the whole picture, and guess what? God always kept His Word. We have the proof. When they got to heaven, they learned that there would be proof. But they didn't get to see it. It didn't matter whether they saw it or not. God had spoken. So, is it possible for God's people to live this way? Well, not only is it possible, but God requires it with all of our heart. Now, again, because of time, I'm going to just move quickly. I hope you'll write down these references. Without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he that that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And you can look at these other texts where, again, the children of Israel are reminded, and God will remind His servants how important it is that with all your heart, you just be willing to trust the Lord. Sometimes, here's the way that looks. Remember the man who came to the Lord and uh, had a child that he wanted to have healed, and the Lord said, Do you believe? I love this man's response. He admits he's got flesh says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. What did the Lord do in response? Healed the child. All right. So with all of our heart, we depend on what God has said. And, And for those who understand what it means to depend on the Spirit, there will be times on your knees where you will be begging the Spirit, Lord, I need your faith to believe. I want to believe. By the way, God will answer that prayer. will. Now, what was Jesus' greatest criticism of his disciples? They're in training. He's going back to heaven. They're going to continue his work and time and time again things happen and what is the one thing that the Lord narrows down and and, and addresses? O ye of little faith. And he's going to purposely put them in situations where the proof will be denied here, but he's the Lord, and so they have no reason not to trust. The assurance of that. Okay, how how many folks are here? 5,000, feed them. Okay. Assurance says, he has asked us to do this, he will enable. What do we have? Well, Lord, here's some food you can break up and hand them. That's not how it went, right? but what are these among so many? And then the Lord shows them. They're out on the Sea of Galilee. Horrible storm. The boat is filling up with water. He's asleep. Do they have anything to fear? Yes or no? What? The answer is no, folks. He's in the boat. And oh, by the way, he's the one that said to get in the boat and cross the lake. You're fine. You're going to be just fine. All right. So we're going to need to stop there tonight. But when we come back together and we continue our series, uh, again, let me just have us go to the next slide, and I'm I'm just going to mention these, and then you can meditate on these, digest these, and we'll pick it up here next time. What does faith look like? We've already alluded to this. God will make me believe contrary to what I see. That's going to happen with faith. Also, God will ask me to believe on an express statement in his word, and at times there will be nothing else to believe. Do I need anything else? Some of you are thinking, well, it's okay if I put out a fleece once in a while. I have his word. Next, God wants me to believe even though there may be strong proof against what he has said. Yeah. Yeah. And then God wants me to believe and not debate the matter in my heart. What has God said? Okay. Everybody around me may be thinking, what are you doing? So Peter's in that boat on the Sea of Galilee, and the storm is churning everything, and Jesus bids Peter come to him on the water. I wonder when he threw that first leg over the side of that boat if the other disciples were saying, What are you doing? He's lost. Hey, John, he's lost it. We always knew. No. He's got the word of the Lord come to me. Throws the other leg over the side of that boat, and he starts walking on water. Why? Because God had bid him come. Now, there's nothing about this, folks, that's sensational. It's scriptural. And the challenge to us, when we leave here tonight, every decision we make, every step we take, is to remember that without faith, it's impossible to please Him. And so as you yield to Him, He'll give you the faith and you can please Him. And that's where him working through, uh, the Lord working through us, it, it makes passages like well, we can do great exploits. makes those passages come alive. Why? Because it's what God's going to do as I just yield to him. And so we'll, can, we'll pick this back up, uh, but ask the Lord, God, help me to live by faith with the assurance that what you have said is the proof of that I need to know, by the way, your faith will become sight. But you have to take him at his word. Let's stand together. Father, thank you tonight for this time to be able to look at these these wonderful truths from your word. Lord, they give us such assurance, but they remind us not to trust ourselves. And so help Good News Baptist Church. Lord, help us to walk by faith, not by sight. And Lord, do a mighty work through us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us